0: If you want to turn, I'm going to put most of the verses up on the screen, but if you want to, just you can turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're finishing the life of Paul. It's really fun. Uh, 24 lessons, what you think about it. uh, We just touched the surface of his life. I mean, he's just so amazing and all the things God used him to do. Paul was an incredible man. He's a man used by God to take the message of Jesus Christ To the known world. I mean, think about it. To the known world when he was there. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, believed in him for eternal life, and was ready, really, from that point on, to serve. Think about it. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. So, a lot of our New Testament are letters by Paul. He went on the three different missionary journeys, not counting his trip to Rome, just all kinds of things. We saw him arrested, prisoned in Rome for two years, then released. Basically, came back, his final arrest, his death, his letters. I mean, uh, he, he gave us so much information. For the last three or four weeks, we've been looking at what we call Paul's theology which is what did he say? What did he believe about salvation? What did, he, what did he write about salvation? What did he write about Christian life? What did he write about end times? What did he write about spiritual gifts? No, we saw all those things over the last two to three weeks and just, once again, just highlighted them. And so what did we do? Well, this morning, I'm just calling this an overview of Paul the Apostle. I think there's a lot of good things that we'll just see in just a matter of a few minutes. We'll see some things, and it'll put together, I think, Paul's life as you know, I love I love Paul. Um, when I when I read his life, especially Book of Acts, and then through his letters, you can just see that this guy it was just amazing. I mean, he was so smart. He was educated in in all kind of things. He knew Greek. He knew Hebrew. He knew Aramaic. Uh, he had Roman citizenship. He knew Roman law. He knew the the Bible. He understood the Torah. Uh, he was a Pharisee. you look at his life, he he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. I mean, so he's everything. And when you look at his life, he's just amazing. So let's think about this. There are a number of people in the Bible which we're very familiar with. First of all, we just say Jesus, and we all know that he's the Savior of the world, the eternal God, he's everything. And then you could say, well, Adam and Eve. When you think of Adam and Eve, you think, well, the creation and the fall. And then you think of Noah. What do you think of with Noah. The flood, and he built the ark and the flood. And then we think of Abraham, and Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. And through Abraham was Isaac, and Isaac was Jacob, and Jacob is Judah and on down. And you think of Abraham uh, that basically was a man of faith. And every human being after Abraham that believes in Jesus Christ or believes goes back and is called a child of Abraham because he was the man of faith. Then you see David, and we've been spending Sunday morning looking at the life of David as going through 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and all that. Uh, amazing man, a, uh, a man after God's own heart. And then you think of Daniel, which I love Daniel. We've taught Daniel before. I, I, you know, If it was up to me, I'd do Daniel again, but it's, been a, it's not been long enough. We, we usually wait a little longer because Daniel's book is so incredible. I mean, chapters deal with character, but chapters also deal with end times. Daniel was amazing. Esther, Esther, we've done Esther. She saved the nation. She saved, she made it possible for the Messiah to come. Let's put it that way. Uh, John the Baptist, pointing out the Messiah. I mean, the forerunner of the Messiah. And then Peter the apostle, which we can, a lot of us can identify with Peter when you say, uh, be careful what you do, Peter, because one minute you're saying the right thing and the next minute you're saying the wrong thing. And then we have Paul. And I think of Paul, and of course I didn't even mention John, which wrote five letters in the five books in the New Testament, and of course wrote the the book of Revelation. Uh, of course, when we say wrote, we know that the Holy Spirit wrote it through them. But Paul was a man, Jewish, Roman citizenship. He took the message to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. He's called the apostle of the Gentiles. So what we're going to do? <clears throat> I've divided it this way. That looks like a lot, but it's not. We're going to look how Paul described himself his apostleship and message, his charge, his warning, his life and ministry, his legacy, and then some application. So that's what we're going to do today in just one little time, and it's not, it's not going to take very long. I would say that it'd be a good thing to look at this and maybe keep this because if you ever said, what if somebody wants to know about Paul, within like 15 or 20 minutes, you can give them Paul's description and apostleship and charge and warning and life just, just in this little message right here. So I think there's some good things that we can apply. Let's start with Paul's description of himself. Now, we know he didn't describe himself really physically. He did talk about that there was something wrong with his eyes. We know that, that, that there was something wrong with his eyes, and when he went to the Galatians, he even writes in the letter, he said, if possible, you would have plucked your eyes out and given them to me. So we know something was wrong with his eyes from a physical thing. But we know that if you read in history, uh, a guy named Onesiphorus of Iconium wrote and described Paul as a short man, bald headed red hair, bow legs, and an eyebrow that went all the way across. That's how he described Paul. Now, whether, whether he actually knew Paul or not, whether it was accurate actor or not, we have no idea. But that's what some people say Paul looked like. We don't know. What did he say about himself? Here's what he said. You have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. So what did he say about himself? He was a persecutor of the church. He went after believers, and and that's what he did. And we think, wow, so he was a persecutor of the church. But he says this about himself too. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm what? I'm foremost of all. He says he was the worst sinner saved by Jesus. So no matter how bad you think you are, you're number two on the list, right? Because Paul says he's number one. He says, I'm the, I'm the, I consider myself <clears throat> to be the worst because I persecuted the church. And, 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 uh, and, and what else does he say about himself? He says, on the contrary, this is the the Peter and those guys, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised just as Peter had been to the circumcised. He says about himself, I got to be the one to take the message to the Gentiles. So simply put, Paul was a persecutor saved by Jesus Christ to take the message to the Gentiles. That's what Paul says about himself. Now, he does say he's the worst of all sinners. And so we, we look at him and we go, Paul, you, you're one of the great men of all time. And he'd say, yeah, but you, don't, you know I'm, I'm terrible in that sense. And so we look at Paul, a persecutor, saved by Christ to take the message to the Gentiles. So if you said, what did Paul say about himself? That's it. Well, then what, let's talk about Paul's apostleship and message. Now, this may surprise you. Was Paul one of the original 12? No. In fact, there were... There were 12 guys. Judas died. Then there were 11 guys. And then on the day of Pentecost, they had a uh, kind of a meeting, and they picked a guy to to take the place of Judas. So they had 12 already. Paul didn't come till later. Paul didn't come till a few years later. But Paul was an apostle. Now, look what he says about himself. Paul, an apostle. Now, how? Not from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul says, I'm an apostle because Jesus and the Father made me an apostle. That's pretty powerful. What if, what if you were Peter and you said, well, Paul, Jesus picked us out and made us an apostle, but he didn't you. He said, oh, yeah, he did. He did me. He did me. I, I, I went through men or of men, but I, I became an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's who I am. I'm an apostle. Now, let me just say this about an apostle. An apostle is someone sent with authority, and they had to, one of the requirements of being an apostle was you had to see the risen Lord. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and the other 11 saw, basically saw Jesus, uh, I mean, when he rose from the grave and, and, and met with them, so Paul says, I'm an apostle, but my apostleship was not from men. No man came and said, hey, we want you to be an apostle, Jesus Christ and God the Father. But there's something else about him. What about his message? Because he had a great message, right? What about his message? In Galatians, he says, I would want you to know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, the good news message which I proclaimed was not according to men. I didn't get it from man. I neither received it from men nor was I taught it from men well, then where did you get it? But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what was Paul's message? You're justified by faith. By grace, you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Paul wrote over and over and over that you're saved by faith. Where did he get that message? Where did he get the message? From Jesus Christ himself. When people start saying there's more to it than faith in Christ, you say, you need to talk to Jesus about that because that's what he said, okay? That's what it really is. People start adding to the message. They start corrupting the message. They start messing up the message. Paul says, I want you to know the message I got. I didn't get it from men. I didn't receive it from men. I wasn't taught it from men. It didn't according to man. I got it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So what about Paul, what about it? Basically, what about it means that Paul was appointed as an apostle by Jesus and got his gospel message from Jesus. That's why in the letter to the Galatians when Paul says, I'm amazed that you already moved away from the truth of the gospel. He says, which is another gospel. He says, so I want you to know if either me or an angel out of heaven would come and give you a different gospel, let him be accursed said, there's no different gospel. There's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's the good news that he died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's the message. That's the gospel. And so Paul says, I was appointed as an apostle by Jesus, and I got my gospel message from Jesus. Wow. What about his charge? What did Paul say you had to do? What did he say? Well, here's what he said. First of all, he said, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What does Paul say Do, As a believer, you need to offer your life to God in service. Now, let me just make sure. We, all, we know this, so this is not new to any of us, but we know that salvation is a gift and it costs us nothing. We believe in Jesus Christ, that he gives us eternal life, and we're saved and saved forever. In the Christian life, We have a great privilege of being a disciple for Christ, to live for Christ, to take up our cross and die to self. That's why Paul said, I urge you believers, brethren, he's writing to Christians, by the mercies of God, what you should do is present your body to God, acceptable to God, as a living and holy sacrifice. And that means as believers, not to be saved, but because we're already saved, we say to God, I want you to take my life. I want my life to count for you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. I want my life to count for you. That's a discipleship. That was his message. That's his charge. His charge to believers. Offer your life. There's a second thing. You know what the second thing he says? I want you to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. He's not just saying for pastors to preach the word. In fact, that word, preach there, means to Announce announce the word, give out the word. And how do you do it? In season, out of season. You do it whenever, it may not be, you know, whenever it's convenient, whenever it's not convenient, just be ready to take the message. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Now, how do you do that? You do that with the word. The word is the one that does all that. With great patience and instructions. Have you ever, have you ever taught, many of you in here have taught, have you ever taught a Bible study or something and you teach something and Two weeks later, you come back, and you raise the same issue, and nobody in there remembers anything you said. And you, and you want to say to them, what's wrong with y'all? Are you Are not listening? Well, the truth is, what did he say? You teach with what great what? Patience and instruction. People don't get it all at first. It takes a while. I mean, let's face it. When, when we start talking about the gospel, some of you have been taught so much junk all your life That when you hear, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, make him Lord of your life, and get baptized, that sounds right to you, and it's not right. And you got to learn it the right way, that it's he died on the cross and paid for sin, you believe in him, and he gives you what? Eternal life. It's faith in him for eternal life. So anyway, Paul says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So not only does he say, offer your life in service, he says, teach the word, and then look at the third thing. The things which you've heard from me. In the presence of many witnesses, you entrust these things to faithful, faithful people, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Paul says you've got to make disciples. Not only do you offer your life in service for God, not only do you proclaim the Word of God, but you teach and train other people. Do you realize, and, and most of us in this room do, that who is responsible to train other believers? All of you are. Not just me. I get to do it, but you do too. And that's why we have the 412 and the 2-2. Not only do we teach them, but we have the teacher edition and a student edition. So anytime you want to, if you've had the 412 or the 2-2, you can go get a bunch of people and say, let let me take you through the 412. And we have a teacher edition and students. And the two, two, the same way. We have a teacher edition and the students. We have a thing for men called discipline for godliness. We have a teacher edition and students. And you can do this. You can make disciples. That's what Paul said to do. He said, the things you have heard, you entrust these to faithful people who will be able to do the same thing. They'll be able to pass it on to others as well. So what did Paul say? Offer your life, teach the word, and make disciples. That's his charge. Well, we're still going. Because uh, that's, that's what he said to do. What about his warnings? His warnings? Well, look at this. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. When did the last days begin? Exactly. At the death of Jesus Christ, he is the mediator of the new covenant. And the last days, as the writer of Hebrews says, that in times past God did, did, this, this, but in these last days he has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. So the last days begin at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we've been in the last days for a long time, but guess what? Difficult times will come. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Do you, do you recognize, <laughs> I'm asking this silly, do you recognize that things are getting worse? <laughs> Even in the greatest country in the world if it keeps going like this, it won't be the greatest country in the world. And so we're seeing difficult times coming in a fallen world system. And we're seeing it shaping up to be a one world government. I mean, it is, let's just face it. And, and so we're seeing it. So he says, in the last time, difficult times will come. One great thing for us, what's going to happen to us? We're going to be raptured out of here. But here's the second thing he says, you got to keep growing. In fact, you need to continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of Knowing from whom you learn them. Where did, where did Timothy learn them from? Paul, where are we learn them from? Scripture, the word of God, and we, we start studying it, we learn it. And so he says, you got to keep growing. You've got to keep growing. And so Paul's warning is the world's going to get worse, but we got to keep growing. we got to keep being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Because it's real easy when the world is falling apart to say, heck with it. You know, I'm just going to get back. You know what the Thessalonians did? You know, some of the Thessalonians, what they did is they heard Jesus was coming back. And so some of them said, I'm not even going to work. I'll just, you know, because he's going to come back anytime, So I'm just going to go actually sit on the side of a hill and just wait for him to come. And I'll, I'll depend on other people to feed me and do things. And Paul wrote, if you don't work, you don't what? If you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, but the bottom line is there are some people who say, yeah, he's coming back any second. So it doesn't matter what I do. Yes, it does. First John says... Look for his coming, and you'll be pure when he comes. Look for his coming. And so he says, Paul says, hey, the world's getting worse and worse, but you got to keep growing. You got to keep growing. And so we've seen all these different things. This is Paul's warning. Well, we got another one, and this is Paul's life and ministry. What did he say? Look at this. Paul lived for Jesus and looked forward to being with him. He says, for me to live is what? Christ and to die is what? What does it mean to live is Christ? What does that mean? What did Paul mean when he said, For me to live is Christ? What does that mean? Huh? Okay, oh, but okay, that's one aspect of it. She said to be witnesses for him. Okay, so when you say to live is Christ, means I'm living out and telling people about Christ. And could he mean to live as Christ means I'm supposed to be like Christ. That while I'm on this earth, to live is Christ because I'm going to be an imitator of God and an imitator of Jesus and I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and I want to be like him. And so maybe that means, what does it mean to die is gain? To be absent from the body is what? Be present with the Lord. Paul said, you know, I really like you, but I'd rather be there. He says, to live is Christ, but to die is actually better. And you know, a lot of times we look at death and we don't say it's better. But it is. Because where are the ones we love that have passed away? They're with Jesus. And and so he's saying, for me to live would be Christ, but to die would be even better. And he goes on in the Philippian letter and says, you know, I don't know which one I want to choose. However, what I think is, and he says it, what I think is I'm going to stay here which is better for you he'll get to disciple them and get to help the Philippians that's when he wrote that that's that's sort of his life but look at the end I'm ready I'm already being poured out as a drink offering do you all know what that means have you read that you know what a drink offering was in the Old Testament they would take some wine they could go to the temple go up to the altar and they would take wine and pour it out on the altar it was symbolic of giving up your life or even dying and you're saying I want to give my life for God. I want to die for God. I want my life to count for God. That's what that, look what he says. I'm already being poured out. I'm already dying. It's time. In fact, the time of my departure has come. What does he mean? Where's he going? Where's he going? To heaven. Yeah, he's in prison. He's in prison. This is 2 Timothy. He's about to die. He knows he's not going to make it. He knows they're going to put him to death. He's a Roman citizen, so they can't crucify him. What do you think they're going to do to him? Most likely cut his head off. That's probably what they're going to do. And so he knows that. And he says, I'm poured out as a drink offering already. And my time of departure has come. But look what? Look at this. I have done what? I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Look at his life and his ministry and his legacy. What does he say? His ministry. He said, for me to live is what? Christ and to die is gain. Because see what I've done? I fought the fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. How are we doing? Are we fighting the fight? Are we keeping the faith? Are we finishing the course that God has for us? Whatever it is, we don't know. We don't know how long we're going to get to live. But what has he said for you to do? He's already said, make disciples, preach the word, offer your life. He's already said what we're supposed to do. And he's warned us. He said, you know, in the last times, it's going to get really tough, but you got to keep growing. And so in my life, living's good, dying's better. I'm ready to die because I've done it all. I've done what God had for me to do. And so look at your life. If, If it ended today, could you say, I've done I'm doing or I've done what God has for me to do. Think about it. I mean, you don't want to die and go, God, I, I didn't do anything. And when you stand before him, he goes, you know what? You didn't do anything. <laughs> we don't want to be ashamed of his coming. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. So what did Paul say? I'm living, but I'm looking for Jesus as he fulfilled his ministry? I don't know about Paul fulfilling his ministry. Well, we got Paul's legacy. Wow, what did he do? Wow, oh, 13 letters, three missionary journeys, traveled the world proclaiming Jesus, established churches, writing God's word. I mean, think about this. Wow. You know, you can almost see Paul. I always joke about like a Habakkuk or something like that. When we get to heaven and we see a Habakkuk, and he says, how'd you like my letter? And we go, I didn't read it. You know, you don't want to say, I, I didn't really read it. And, and, you know, Paul said, how did you like Philippians? And you go, well, you know, I, we never studied it. You know, I never really studied it. I never read it. You know, Paul said, well, I wrote it. I, you know, God wrote it for you. So he wrote 13 letters. I just still imagine how incredible that is. And let me ask you a question. Why? Why did Paul write these letters? Were they letters like to the church at Rome like, hello, how y'all doing? I just want you to know everything's fine. And hopefully I'll come by someday. Have a great day. Is that why he wrote that letter? No, why did he write the Philippian letter? Why did he write the Ephesian letter? Why did he write First Thessalonians? Would you know if somebody came to you and said, why did Paul write First Thessalonians? Would you have a clue of why? Or 1 Corinthians? You say, Well, 1 Corinthians is kind of long. It's 16 chapters. Yeah. Why, why did he write these letters? They give us information. I mean, the First Thessalonians. That, in First Thessalonians, he's writing because somebody told these people that Jesus. That when people died and Jesus came back, they don't go. They're left behind, and he writes part of that to deal with them, to deal with those issues. He also writes to encourage them. Second Thessalonians, he writes about the second coming of Christ. First Thessalonians, he writes about the rapture. Second coming, he writes about the second coming. The Ephesians letter, who you are in Christ, chapters one, two, and three. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, how to live out who you are in Christ. So it's important that we understand what these letters were. And think about this. This is Paul, but what's 1 John about? What's 2 John about? What's the book of Jude about? What's Matthew about? What's Luke about? What's the book of Revelation about? And that's just New Testament. We've been doing through 1 and 2 Samuel. You have been in this. You say, oh, First and 2 Samuel. That's the life of Samuel. And that's the life of Saul. That's the life of David. It's given the history of the nation of Israel and these kings. So you know that because you're studying it. But what about these others? So, so he traveled the world proclaiming Jesus, establishing churches, and writing God's word. Wow. Can you imagine what the church might be like when the letter came. A guy came and said, this is from Paul. This is to be read publicly. This is the word of God. You could say, put it with the others. We got these others. We've been saving them, right? Because you know, what did they do with the letter? They read it, copied it, and passed it to somebody else. We don't have to do that. We got the whole thing in one book right now. Think how wonderful this is. We have every letter, everything put together. And slicky stuff and letter. I mean, it's just, you know, it, we got it, man. We, you know, with big print, little print, translations, we got it all. Well, what about applications? Let's realize that anyone can believe in Jesus for eternal life. Now, why do I say that? Because what was Paul before he became a believer? What did he say? I was a what? Persecutor of the church. I hated the people. I was a, I was, he was said he was evil. In fact, he said, out of all the sinners in the whole world, I'm number one. So if the number one sinner can be saved, anybody can believe in Jesus. So there are people in your life that you deal with, and, and you think, I mean, they're, they're atheistic. They're, they're belligerent. Sometimes they're, they're anti what you're saying and you think to yourself, they'll never believe. They'll never believe. And yet you don't know because I guarantee you if people would have said, this is a guy named Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the, they'd say, oh, that guy's horrible. He, oh, he's, he's a persecutor of the church. He'll never believe. He did. Anyone can believe in Jesus Christ. Any, I mean, we, that's why we go with the message. Uh, if the worst sinner could be saved, so could anybody, okay? Second, uh, let's offer our lives to God in service. That's what Paul really said. He said, offer your life. He said, teach the word, offer your life, uh, make disciples, do all those things. But it really calls down to that once you get to this point, as a believer, that you say to God, I want my life to count for you. Now, that's the turning point of your life. I trusted Christ when I was 19 years old in a Bible study in college, and uh, I, I, you know, I have etern- I had eternal life immediately. Knew I was saved. Never doubted I was saved. But I never grew as a Christian. And then some things happened in my life. And I came. I was coaching at Mississippi State. I came home from spring training one night, and I said to God, "I want my life to count for you. I give you my life in service." Now I'd already been saved a long time ago, but my life changed. I began to grow as a Christian. And let me tell you, as a believer, I know it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to say to God, take my life and use me for your glory. Because what you do is you're dying to yourself. And you got to trust him. Because what's he going to do with your life? You never know. So let's offer our lives as living sacrifices and and teach the word, make disciples do all those things. Here's the third thing. Is let's be ready to share the gospel because that's what Paul did. It's the good news message. Paul said, I got this message from Jesus, so we need to share it. He, he shared the message everywhere he went. Look at this. Right after he trusted Christ on the road to Damascus he went to Damascus and told people about Jesus and then after a 3 year time period he comes back he goes down to Jerusalem to tell people then he gets and goes up to Antioch and tells people about Jesus then he goes across what's modern day turkey where is galatia and all that and he tells people then he gets into Europe and he tells the people at Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and all those and then he goes down to uh, to northern Greece and southern Greece Macedonia and Achaia and he tells people in Corinth and he, i mean he just tell, and then he get, goes to Rome and on the way he's on the ship, and the ship, but he stands, he, he, he proclaims the message of Jesus Christ on the ship, and they get put on an island, remember, and what does he do on the island? He tells everybody about Jesus, I mean, it's just wherever he went, whatever he did, and then he's in prison in Rome, chained to Roman soldiers, what does he do? He tells the Roman soldiers about Christ, and they can't leave. I mean, that's Paul, and so let's be ready too, let's, let's look for the opportunities. If you don't look for the opportunities, you'll never see them. It is so rare. Um, I, I was flying back back when I was in seminary. And I flew back and forth from Borger to Dallas and Dallas to Borger. And one one night, I got on the plane. It was I was ready to leave to fly to Borger. And there were two girls that I got set in the middle of. The, I was single. I just wanted to bring that out. But anyway, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I, this one girl started talking to me because she saw that I had a Bible with me. And she said, oh, I'm a Christian. Da, 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 da. We were talking. This other girl never said a word. And you never can tell. And all of a sudden, she tapped me on the shoulder. And I went, yeah. And she said, I hear y'all talking. Could you tell me how I can be saved? I've heard people talk about it, but I've never understood it. I said, Yes, I can. I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. That may, here's the deal. Let's be ready. It doesn't usually come that way, right? People don't usually walk up to you and ask you, hey, can you tell me? So we got to look for the opportunities. If we don't look for the opportunities, never happen. Here's number four. Let's look forward to the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What could happen at any second? The rapture. Okay, the word rapture is a Latin word, remember, and it means to snatch away. The Greek word is harpazo, which means to pull out, to take up. And that's when 1 Thessalonians says, and the dead in Christ will be raised for it, and we who are alive will be harpazo, will be taken up off the face of the earth. It could be when? Any second. Any second. So let's look forward to the coming. And when, as we look forward to the coming, we're going to live better because he could come in any second.